Hello, everyone, and welcome to an extra episode of Made of Things. I am your host, Antonio Maria Correa. Uh, my dad is doing better and is now home resting. Uh, this is for everyone who listened uh, to the last episode um, this week. And um, so I'd like to thank everyone who sent their support and kind words. Um, so, uh, okay, usually we post an episode every week, but we have been sort of missing the mark in recent months. So we're having... Uh, a double episode week this week. Uh, the guest on this show is David Gordon Green. But before we get to him, uh, I'll tell you another interaction I had during my vacation in the UK. Speaking of the UK, uh, do you know something people don't get over there? Trucker Stan. I, I mean, I don't mean Trucker Stan, like Stan the Trucker. Uh, I have no idea uh, or no clue who Stan the Trucker is. Uh, if you do, however, please tweet your answers, in case you have more than one, at Made of Things Pod. But in the UK, I highly doubt that they get that sort of tan that truck drivers get, you know? even when they're called Stan, uh, because apparently y you can't really get tanned in the UK, I guess. I mean, can you? I don't know. Again, please tweet at MadeOfThingsPod. But even if you did try to get a trucker Stan in the UK, it would have to be called a lawyer Stan. Hmm, is, is that a thing? And it doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? Uh, in Australia, though, you can get a trucker Stan or a lawyer Stan, uh, even if you're not called Stan. But it will end up on your right arm, not your left arm. Now, if you're an upper hemisphere person, let that sink in for a minute. Maybe all the truckers in the world, or even lawyers, should unite their hands, tanned hands, and tanned arms across the globe. And that's a choice we're making. We are saving our own lives, it's true. We will make a better day, just you, and me, and truck drivers. Well, on the last episode, I told you my Stuart Lee story, and today I will tell you my James Murphy story. This is the James Murphy from LCD Sound System, and the FA Records James Murphy. Uh, so, while I was in London, I was having some lovely beers with my friends down at Broadway Market. Uh, I remember some great Icelandic beer called Einstock, Einstuck. Einstuck? Einstuck, I think. Uh, so we were just hanging out, and uh, suddenly this fellow in a suit passes by, uh, pushing a baby carriage. So I recognized that it was James Murphy, and I've been a longtime fan of his work and uh, LCD sound system as well. But at the time, I was thinking, well, I already had my share of amazing encounters during this trip. As uh, often happens whenever I go to London, this considering that, you know, in past trips I met and talked at length with Paul F. Tompkins and Peter Serafinowicz. And uh, at this time, you know, I met Pat Masolato and the whole Stuart Lee thing I talked about on the last episode. But I figured that I'd had my luck already during this time. So, you know, James was just trolling by and wanted to relax, so I was just going to let this one fly. But my friend was coincidentally going to DJ later that night in uh, the Broadway market and uh, said, I have one of his vinyls with me, so I really want to get him to sign it. And it made sense to me, so I just let him off. So he went off to fetch the record and I stayed behind with my Einstuck. Uh, so, my, the Einstuck beer. This is a plug, by the way. Please, guys at Einstuck, mail me all the beer in the world that you guys do. Not all the beer in the world. 
There's no room for that. Okay, but uh, I can try. Uh, but uh, I like wine as well. Okay, but so, you know, back to the James Murphy thing. Uh, I, you know, I have this principle in my life, which is that if I have the chance to do something, and that chance may never happen again, I am going to go for it. There is nothing to be gained from not doing something. And you can toy with the possibility of not having to deal with failure. Uh, but to tell you the truth, so many great things have come from me acting like this and, you know, nothing that I really regret has ever happened that there is basically no grounds for me to just, you know, oh, I could have done that, but I didn't. Now I have to live with myself. And now I have not done that. And it was really basically harmless. Hmm. There's also a big fear of humiliation, but I'll tell you that most people who are uh, even of you know, curmudgeon fame, or have a fame of being difficult, aren't really if you're not an asshole. So you can approach people. There's just a way of doing that. Anyway, you know, this all means that I couldn't resist going up to James Murphy, and I was just going to join my friend uh, once he had approached uh, James. So I went off to find them, and I did. And my friend put his record up front and asked if uh, James would sign it. And James said, yes, but then some sort of weird vibe started to happen. So then I stepped in and I just asked James how he was and that it was funny to see him there and unexpected. And also that John McClane and Nancy Wong had just been on this podcast the week before. And also that the LCD sound system show I saw in Lisbon back in 2007 was one of the best I've ever seen. Which is not only not a huge lie, as it is not a lie at all, as it is true. So, uh, James was very nice, and we just let him go um, on his way after our brief interaction. So, my point here is that you do not have to be that guy. Uh, if you don't know what that guy means, it means that guy who l goes up to someone that's, you know, well-known in the public eye, and is uh, used to having people come over and talk to them because they recognize them or something. So the description, that guy, applies to people who are uncomfortable and make people uncomfortable by not knowing how to handle certain situations. As simple as talking like a human which is surprisingly difficult sometimes. So, you know, as a person, you can really project things onto others a lot. And, of course, you don't want to be that guy, but then again, no one wants to be that guy. Uh, you know, you just be confident in your approach because you do not have to be afraid. Uh, if you're nice and are basically a good human being and really just want to go talk to someone, uh, you... Uh, look up to or whose work you appreciate, uh, just go do it. There is really no shame in that. Uh, plus, you know, if you tell people that you like their art, you know, they will appreciate it like nine times out of ten. But there's a rule here, though, which is no lying. Because people might be really able to tell when people don't know what they're talking about. So, uh, and sometimes the opposite happens. Like, I've been listening to Dan Deacon for a long time now. And I got the feeling that I didn't come across uh, to Dan that I really, that this was true. At first, at least. 
but you know that was on me because I you know I was tired and just couldn't remember stuff but uh, <laughs> the names of things even with Pat Masolato I mean I just mixed some track names and that's my favorite band guys so and along with Pavement so uh, so <laughs> stuff can happen but so you really don't want to lie I mean if if you don't really like what someone does then there's no point in approaching them Social cues are there to be read, so try also not to overstay your welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. So, enough preaching from me. I hope you found that useful in any way, because, you know, you know, you know. So, this week on the show, we have the director, David Gordon Green, who is a good example of what I was talking about. I was at this film festival over here uh, in Lisbon in the past week, and uh, David was promoting his new movie called Our Brand is Crisis, which is a political satire starring Sandra Bullock, or Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock. Hmm. This happened to me during the interview, actually. Uh, st- still, I still don't know her name. Uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Sandra. 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 So, Sandra Bullock, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Anthony Mackie, and Joaquin Dalmeida, who is Portuguese like myself, by the way, if you weren't aware. So, David Gordon Green was over here uh, at the festival, and I saw him talking to people, so I just wanted to go up to him and tell him how much I like the show Eastbound and Down, of which he directed like two dozen episodes, and uh, the movies Pineapple Express and Your Highness, uh, and how his casting choices are usually awesome. You know, people like Paul Rudd and James Franco and Seth Rogen. And also how cool it is that he's a part of the whole North Carolina crew of people in comedy headed some way I guess, by Danny McBride, uh, who is the star of Eastbound and Down. So David and I uh, talked for a few minutes about those things, and uh, suddenly we were talking about podcasts, and now he is here on my show. So please enjoy the brief conversation I had with David Gordon Green. Recording the, the show with uh, with uh, Mac from Mac from uh, from uh, Super Chunk the other day. Oh, nice. The other night, uh, actually two nights ago. Yeah. So uh, actually, it came up uh, during the, uh, the, the the conversation because you said because um, uh, you had told me that they were from Chapel Hill, and I don't know what that means. Oh. So uh, what does that mean coming from Chapel Hill? I'll go to get to the movie but very he, shortly. But did he confirm that? Did I, uh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I went to college in North Carolina, and so we'd always go to Chapel Hill to go check out all the rock shows so I'd see them play there and I remember them being I thought I remember them being from there so we'd go to this place called Cat's Cradle oh 
um, which is a great venue for seeing bands, or at least was when I was in college there. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And you, uh, you, 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 your gang is like Dave McBride and stuff like that. You guys went to college all. Is it? Is, is it? Uh, or, or am I? Or am I wrong? No, you're right. Uh, I, I, you know, and Jody Hill and stuff like that. Jody Hill and you know Richard Wright and Tim Moore and a lot of our crew, uh, even uh, Anthony Mackey went to school with oh, us really? there. And yeah, so it's been a fun group of people to work with. Chris Gebert, our sound mixer, and um, so many of the people that we work with there uh -huh. all the time. Uh -huh. um, we were to school in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and uh, you know there was limited music opportunities there. Although I remember great, um, uh, great shows coming through town, like Will Oldham would come to town, or you know some. I've, I've actually interviewed him like a year ago. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's. Uh, I think he's coming back actually this, later this week. I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. awesome. He did a song for uh, my second movie, All the Real Girls. He did uh, the oh. opening credit song for it. And uh, he stars in it as well? Or no, so? no, no, just in it. But you know, he stars in a movie that um, that I love called The Guatemalan Handshake. Have you oh, seen I that? I haven't had. Oh, you got to see that movie. He's amazing in it. He's uh, he's really 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 hysterical. Like, uh, it seems to me like naturally very prone to doing very silly things. I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got an eccentric career, uh, but it's always kind of it's always funny, sad, and beautiful all at the same time, which is it's kind of nice. I just, I'm laughing because I just remember that you see this microphone. He pretty much stuck this into his mouth. Oh, <laughs> like, nice. So there you go. This has some history. That's now. cool. No, his voice has got. I, I feel like his voice has got gotten a lot prettier too over the years you know <laughs> from when he was in Palace Brothers or yeah, yeah. you know he was in that movie Meituan when he was little mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know, it's been cool watching guys that I really admire particularly the formative years of being in college in the early mid 90s uh -huh. um, and music was a big thing for me and, mm -hmm. and a lot of people and that was in you know Those, those, those bands, those groups we're talking about were all a big part of it. My favorite band was this band called Bedhead. Um, oh, yeah, oh, man, you got to check out Bedhead. They were amazing. And, um, and La Bradford, that was a, that's, a, that's a great band. So there's a, it's a number of like pretty wow. melancholy, dark stuff for the most part. I'm um, actually a music journalist, and most of the people I interview are musicians. So this is pretty funny that I don't know any of those. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, oh, man, those are, those are some good ones. I had a lot of... Uh, I'm not going to compliment myself, but still, you know, that's kind of weird. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm trying to think of other other bands in that in that time period that I really love. Slow Dive and, oh, yeah, sure. and I, Red I House Painters. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, live last year, actually, Slow Dive. So, oh, yeah, they're still yeah. playing together? That's yeah, they, cool. They, they just uh, reunited. They okay. got back together. And uh, those nice. bands of the uh, shoegazy things. Yeah, I love, I love it. Low. Low, exactly. Very good. Uh, do you know Ride from the, the UK? No. no. Not, you, you should check them out as well. Okay. Slow Dive and Ride and stuff like that are okay. pretty much, you know, uh, I love Valentine and stuff like That. Oh yeah, actually, absolutely. I have the guy from Ride actually on this series of shows, but that's this. That's cool. Uh, but still, do you think uh, I, I, I was talking about that? Because uh, you think those uh, that, uh, for instance, you've uh, you've uh, done uh, a lot of excellent comedy such as Eastbound Down and Pineapple Express and Your Highness and stuff like that. Do you think that hasn't has informed this movie at all? Do you feel do you feel that this sure. carries over? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's a little bit more of a, an overt and aggressive sense of humor in, in that. Stuff, but I, you know, I, I wanted this movie to to move and be entertaining and have a lot of laughs and sense of humor injected into it. So I, I would I would like to think that, you know, as as diverse and varied as my approach is to various content, that there's some bleed over and I have some absurdity in my dramas, no doubt, and some drama in my comedies, no doubt.
Uh-huh. And uh, I was going to ask if there was anyone from those things involved in this movie, but apparently, of course. Well, yeah, my, my, <laughs> a lot of my crew that works on almost, you know, and I just finished this new series with Richard and, and so many of the guys that I went to college with were still making making stuff with. You know, David Wingo, who was the composer that did the score for this movie, I've known since we were in the third grade together. Oh, wow. We met in elementary school, and he's done a lot of my scores for my movies. And uh-huh. sometimes we'll do things where we bring in, like, I've done a few where we bring in Explosions in the Sky as a band uh-huh. we, we collaborate with quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, or we'll, Jeff McElwain is a, an electronic musician known as Lucene that we use on okay. some of our stuff. And actually, uh, Jeff helped us out a little bit on this movie. And actually, on this movie, too, my assistant, Aman Abbasi, uh, is, a, is a great musician. So he would do some of the, some of the tracks and help Wayne go out and do some uh, original stuff for us. Like when there's a, 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 an advertisement, a commercial for the campaign, Aman back there making the music uh-huh. for it just using some heavy synthesizers and um, yeah it's just cool music's a big part of, of movies for me and mm-hmm. uh, and here trying to make a score that feels big and vibrant but also has some ethnicity to it and mm-hmm. then we use songs from uh, you know there's a, an Aymara rap group um, uh, that uh, that did a song for us in the club and a lot of Bolivian tunes and a couple Peruvian and Colombian uh, songs on the soundtrack uh-huh. that rap uh, that rap one that you hear in the uh, in the in the club Right. Yeah, that's an incredible way, way in a rap. It's an amazing, amazing track that. Uh, uh, actually, I was just YouTube. I was just googling around and, and I was on YouTube looking for Bolivian rap groups, uh-huh. and then find, <laughs> found this. Uh, and it's all in Aymara, which I think is just such a beautiful language. Uh huh. And it's a pretty. Actually, it's a it's a party song. Pretty isn't it? Kind of, but it's pretty aggressive. Or is it the other? Yeah. Way well, it's just a little dark, but it's the kind of party I like to get to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We're, we're in the same gang, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the uh, um, do you think like the You're speaking of music, like uh, this movie also has, because it seems to be something recurrent in your work that it has. You sometimes have, uh, or many times, if not all, I don't know, but um, have this uh, moment in your movie or uh, episode uh, that you directed or something that it's very uh, emotionally connected or emotionally invested. You would say. Uh, do you think uh, this happens in this movie as well? Yeah, you know, I I I feel like we take a lot of a lot of time to to find the emotion in this film and sometimes it's just a quick glance from a character other times it's like seeping into a situation letting the music take over um, you know particularly the last 10 minutes of the movie I think it, it has some nice emotional momentum mm-hmm. um But you know, it's also a study of cynicism and, and kind of uh, American uh, American indulgence in politics and the audacity of uh, of a cultural group walking into a culture that's foreign to them and thinking that they know, they know best. So uh, it, it, that's its own emotion. You know, it's not necessarily always tugging at your heartstrings, sure. but it's pissing you off or, uh-huh. or making you think about things, how they are, how they should be, how they shouldn't be. Uh-huh. So it's more like frustration instead of like uh, inner. Uh, What do you call it? Spirituality, more or less. Yeah. Well, sometimes you want to appeal to the intellect, and sometimes you want to appeal to the raw emotion of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, how? Uh, how? Um, I, I would like to ask as well, because there's something funny about the g- genre of this movie. Because I was, I had, I had tried, I tried to inform myself the least amount uh, yeah. possible. I don't even know what genre it is? What uh, is this movie? It isn't any, I guess. I you mean, know. political satire. It is. I guess. You know, it, it, I think it is. It, it. I mean, it certainly is. It's inspired by a true story, but we took a lot of creative liberties with it, and. And injected a lot of humor and, and kind of don't really point fingers, but we um, we kind of scratch at the surface of issues and um, 
and you know, hopefully, hopefully that makes it relatable to people of any culture. It takes place in Bolivia, but the situation that we're talking about, IMF and intervention, economic intervention of other countries and uh, ideology, I think that could just as easily apply to Portugal or Turkey or Iceland or you know, Greece, any number of countries that are dealing with this, or, or from an American perspective, you know, the involvement of Russia, China, some of the, some of the uh, influence that we're getting from, you know, it, 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 it's a... It's it's a delicate balance, you know. When when you step into another country, when you're there for uh, uh, you know presenting your own philosophies, sometimes it's, it can be very frustrating to the indigenous community, and other time it can be very inspiring. So it's just obviously trying to do something for the good. Is you hope everybody's heart's in the right place. It's not always the case. Mm. This is funny because to me, because for instance, I I didn't I did not know that I expected any sort of comedy in this movie, and I what I saw the artwork, and it seems very serious, and then all of a sudden, wait. A Oh, wait a minute, Sandra Bullock's Sandra Bullock is uh, is uh, is clumsy in the movie. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it's very startling, I guess. And it's, the effect is very, you know, for, for someone who knows nothing, is very, you know, convoluted, I guess. But uh -huh. is that what you're going for? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I love to throw people off and defy their expectations a little bit, and I think this movie is is engineered for that. Uh, excellent. Thanks for your time, man. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. I hope to see you again in the future. Yeah, check out Benhead. Like, I, I will. I will. time with David. I hope we are able to chat some more in the future. Thank you guys for listening and keep watching for new shows coming up. I'll be announcing them on all the social media such as uh, such as Tinder. You can you can hit me up on Tinder. That's not even technically possible, I think. But it is technically possible for you to like the page on Facebook at Made of Things. Also, Instagram at Made of Things. Twitter at Made of Things Pod. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave comments. Rate something, whatever it is. Rate a pineapple. Rate a bag of bolts. Uh, and rate some percentages as well. And also, it would be very, very cool for you guys to leave something on Twitter, like a twig on Twitter. A Twitter. Hmm. Made of things pod. That's all for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you all next week on Made of Things Pod. And I do mean all of you. Bring your friends and things that you like. So, see you guys. Bye. Bye.